February in Ann Arbor, Monday, the fifth pod. Great to be with you on this Monday. Hope you're having a good one as we are ready to talk some Michigan, the latest in what's going on in Michigan sports and a little help in the guideline of what we'll be talking about. You may have heard last week that the Big Ten and SEC were getting together to have a, a committee. They were meeting up to talk about the future of college football. I'll give you some thoughts after thinking about that over the weekend here today. Yesterday, the Michigan basketball team, well, let's say it was uh, two days ago because that's accurate, played Rutgers, and it was a disaster with uh, the Scarlet Knights scoring their first victory ever in Ann Arbor. Give you some thoughts on that. We'll start with football and Sharon Moore as he continues to round out his football staff. He gives some promotions. He said last week on the Pat McAfee show, something pretty close to when asked when he would like to get the staff done this week is when he was shooting for. So expect some, some names to come flying in a little bit of movement on that front today. We'll check. It could happen. A couple of names uh, could pop up as we are talking in the two o'clock hour on this Monday, you know, on the offensive side, you got you know, Sharon Moore, the former, Offensive line and offensive coordinator is now the head coach. And you have Kirk Campbell, who was the quarterback's coach. He has been named the offensive coordinator. And Grant Newsom, who was the tight ends coach, he is now the offensive line coach. And that's some of the movement. A tight ends coach has not been officially announced, but uh, an analyst at Michigan Casula, uh, Steve Casula, who was there with uh, Don Brown in in UMass, he met with the team last week, and you would expect his name to be announced this week. I assume that Ron Bellamy would stay on as wide receivers coach. There hasn't been anything official on that, but I think that's what's going to happen, and then. Michigan Mike Hart, there's a question mark next to his name. So you're just going to have to wait that one out. You can make your own guesses. You can speculate all you want. <laughs> That's what we'll see. You know, nobody likes to really to hear. I don't even like saying it. We'll see when it comes down to Michigan uh, Mike Hart. J.B. Brown was an analyst and was thought to be a shooting star uh, as an analyst for Michigan, and he takes Jay Harbaugh's spot as special teams coordinator. Bit of a surprise today in terms of Jay Harbaugh as not that he is going to the NFL and heading west. No surprise there. It's just that instead of going to L.A., he shot up to the great northwest to Seattle to join Mike McDonald to be their specials coach. And so a little bit of, uh, of curveball. There And on the defensive side, it's a little bit less settled. Steve Klinkscale, Mike Elston still out there. You don't know exactly what's happening there. We remember that uh, Chris Partridge was fired by the Michigan football program 
that was what a uh, a day before the Maryland game, maybe two days before the Maryland game. So there's a lot of openings on that side of the ball. So, you know, we'll have to see when it comes down to that. Now, there's some names as defensive coordinator I want to run through, and I want to talk about how I approach who joins the staff and what I think about them and everything else. First, if you did not know that right now with the Maze and Blue Review, you can sign up for free. Free until spring at the Maze and Blue Review. Go to michigan.rivals.com and enter the promo code NATCHAMPS24. That's NATCHAMPS24. This offer is valid for a limited time. We'd love to see you over there on the Maze and Blue Review, on the den, talking about Michigan. That's a lot of fun. Now, for a couple candidates for defensive coordinator, there is a linebacker currently in the pros for the New York Giants, John Igorugwu. Igorugwu, you look back uh, at his bio and you'd say, why would Michigan be considered, uh, why would Michigan be interested in Igorugwu? Well, He's been with the Giants for two years. And then you look Vandy for one year, and that should raise a little bit of uh, of your eyebrows. Jesse Minter coming from Vandy. He was with the Bills, talking about Igor Rugwu for four years. And then there it is, the Ravens defensive staff assistant for, for two years from 2015 to 16. And then with the Bills for four years, Vandy, and now the Giants. And so the familiarity with the Ravens defense, which Michigan has been running for the last three years. And it's been a big reason that, you know, everybody knows about these last three years. Let's, let's recap. It's fun. Michigan won the national championship and then won the big 10 three times. And so the defense, which got better every year, which is one of the, as long as we talk about this three year run, I'm going to talk about it forever. One of the unforeseen superlatives for this Michigan football run is that each and every year that the defense got better. Statistically, they got better. Uh, Points per game, better. Sacks, pressures, all of that. And and first year, the first year, you got it with, you know, Hutchinson and Ajabo. You're thinking, yeah, you know, you, you, you understand Dax Hill. Uh, you got that. But then they, they came back last year. And they were better than the year before. And then this year they were better than both of the years in the national championship year. So, yeah, you're, you're going to – you understand thinking Ravens. The thing that with me, and there's a lot of people that are, are – we're all doing it, looking at guys' resumes and talking about, oh, this guy would be a fit. And, you know, you can understand it and everything else. And you can understand it with the connection with – mentor and the connection with the the Ravens. My thing is if Igu uh, Rugwu was with the Ravens just as a I suggest as a defensive staff assistant in 2 years. And then okay with with Vandy for a year. Uh, Steve Klinkscale, you say, you know, do you know the defense or have you run the defense? You know, Klink I would think would be more in tune with how to run the McDonald 
mentor Michigan Ravens defense than Igor Rugwu. That's just me. That's what I think when I see, you know, this is a name that's been connected to Michigan. Now, here is another name, and I'm going to say this is a controversial name. It certainly has people talking over at Mason Blue Review. CBS NFL insider Jonathan Jones tweeted out recently that the Chiefs defensive line coach, Joe Cullen, is considered a candidate for several defensive coordinator jobs. His name is in the mix with the Seahawks and Commanders, as well as at the University of Michigan. So there it is, the defensive coordinator at Michigan. You say, okay, Joe Cullen, why do I know that name? Well, Cullen, he's been with the Chiefs for these past two years, so he's got a Super Bowl. He was with the Jags as the defensive coordinator in 21, and then here he goes, the Ravens defensive line coach for five years. So Cullen, D-line coach, D.C. for the Jags, D-line. You, you think about the the Chiefs this year and just the, you know, they got Chris Jones, one of the greatest <laughs> players ever. You know, that's nice, but uh, the whole defense there. So, yeah, guys are going to get looks and, you know, and Cullen deserves that. And then here's the connection with Michigan with the Ravens for five years. And if you go back with this area, Cullen has the connection with the Lions. Now, these years with the Lions were dubious, and this was back you know, previous to this year when the Lions were considered the worst organization in all of sports. Uh, they went 0-16, uh, if you recall. And then Cullen was the coach that was caught with no clothes on going through the Wendy's drive through And then he had another incident at a, at a sub shop where it looked like, I think it exactly was the alcohol was a, a situation there and he was thrown out or arrested. Maybe both. Uh, it had an issue uh, and it's on his record, but you know, since then he has got his act together and he has stayed in the NFL. He's been to college and the NFL. And you know, now his uh, being considered for defensive coordinator jobs in the pros and for Michigan. You got to ask yourself, you know, like, hey, you're a you're a Michigan fan, and you want the best coach. And you look and you say, look. We have all seen people that have had uh, instances, public instances with uh, alcohol, and they have gone on and they have been successful. They have been able to deal with it and put it behind. It's not minimizing it. It's not anything. Let's just attacking this particular uh, issue head on. You can have this uh, issue and you can deal with it, and you can still move on and be a productive member of society, gainfully employed, all of that. And I would congratulate people that have been able to deal with this. That's not an easy thing. And then be able to put it behind them or, or deal with it. You're never able to put it behind you. However, you know, putting one step in front of the other, all that. You have to ask yourself if you think it's a good fit. Now, looking over at the Mason Blue Review, the, the I'm just going to give you the general 
feeling it seemed from the the folks the maize and blue review if colin's the best guy for the job hire him and hey this is the united states people deserve second and third chances let's go there have been plenty of other people that have dealt with situations and have been able to do it now that's been the general perception now that's not that's not me that's not how I would look at this. I look at this. It's it's obviously unfortunate that he had these situations, but I think that he's an NFL guy. Uh, the NFL fans, the, the NFL, they have so many things that go on that an, an instance that was a long time ago, damn near 20 years ago, not that it's been forgotten, but it's um, it's been dealt with, and you know he's on a football staff and he's working, and and it's good. College, we all love college football, and you know the great thing about college football. If you ask people, why do you love college football? It's like, okay, well the t- you know the teams and the bands, and maybe you went to school there, and and you know for me, you know football is king in the country. I completely understand that. It's 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 king for me. I look at, you know, college football slightly above pro probably because Michigan had so much success when I was growing up an outdoor stadium and, and all of that. But you'd also, I think there's a lot of people that say, Oh, the the fans, I mean, the the fans are so passionate and connected. And I would agree with that as well. Look at, I'm doing a a podcast a couple of times a week for the maze and blue review through rivals.com. Tremendously passionate uh, all year long. The wake up thinking about college football, breathing it. The downside when you have uh, you know this kind of passion, it it's it's part of college football fans that when you have some sort of issue, that you get attacked on it on a daily basis. You get dragged through the mud. Nobody pours salt in the wound on a situation like college football fans. Uh, I have heard people say college football fans, even if you are one, you're a a loathsome group. People love, they say, oh, that's being a rivalry. You know, that's trash talk. Well, really, it's about, you know, trying to, for a lot of people, it's anything that you can embarrass somebody you know, you will do it. And so for me, I know that part is going to happen. I just don't think that Cullen is a good fit for Michigan. There, I said it. So I would like to see him go and hopefully go in another direction. Having said that, if Cullen is announced as the next Michigan defensive coordinator, I am not going to be on here every day, you know, like making jokes about him or you know, any of that. Uh, I'm just giving you my opinion right now on the hire. And I think he's a better fit for the NFL. I don't think he's a very good fit for Michigan and their culture. That's it. He might be a great football coach and he might be the best one. That's the tough part. That's always the tough part. If you think you've got the best guy for the job and then you, you know, you weigh these things and, you know, Sherrod Moore will have to do all that. Now for all of us, when we look at like coaching hires, you know, we're diehards. Most people and like the majority of Michigan fans, like, hey, Sharon Moore. They might say, okay, you know, his staff and you know, they'll look and say, Oh, the guy coached for Don Brown. I get that. Oh, this guy was an analyst. He's bumped up. That all makes sense. 
and then you just you you put your two cents to people that get really upset, you know, or just automatically like, oh, great hire. You know, you almost do that if you're it's just you almost your disposition as a Michigan fan. You know, anybody that comes in, there'll be a lot of people like, nah, more likes it. Let's rubber stamp it. I completely get that. Like, you might look at his resume and you know, you say hey, football coach, more knows him, good enough for me. Others are are uh, hand wringing that there's not big names being brought in, and then they're they're dragging the athletic department, the AD and the president and the regents in and saying, why is Michigan being so cheap? And I don't know, maybe Michigan is being cheap. Maybe Michigan just won the national championship and, you know, and the, and the tickets are going to uh, all be sold for next year and everything like the, the interest in Michigan football has to be the, the highest that it's ever been. Uh, are they thinking like, well, they're going to save some money on Jim Harbaugh. Let's just, Let's keep doing it. Let's, 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 as some people say, be cheap. Now that would be, be cheap, but being uh, prudent. Sports fans that really don't, I don't like that word myself. Uh, Michigan's being prudent. But I, I also don't know if they're just being prudent. Maybe more has money to spend if he wants, and he just has not been able to find that guy. And I get the uh, Michigan's cheap charges. They weren't able to keep Harbaugh, that whole mess. I'm not going to go through that. But, you know, you can have your own feeling about that. Michigan dragged their feet. Uh, Harbaugh was never staying here. Whatever side of that fence you fall on, it's, it's fine. There's there's uh, there's a lot of Michigan fans on, on both sides of those. So, And, oh, the other one, you know, is Herbert. Michigan should have, you know, given him $200 million or whatever it was, you know, I wrote a big fat check to keep him to stay. And, you know, maybe that's true. It, it's, uh, it's selling a lot of copies, getting a lot of clicks. You know, if you do have that opinion and maybe it's true and, and maybe that is, you know, that's all you have to go on. So maybe you think that's it. That's why, you know, you think that my thought is, is that overall, of Sharon Moore, you got to let him put his staff together. It's a little bit like opinions on a staff are are a, li- a lot like recruiting or the NFL draft. It's great. You know, you have watched this player play. You have watched this coach coach. And you will, uh, or you've seen some kid in high school and you, or you're looking at he's a four-star. And, you know, you want big names. I think a lot of us, you know, we want names that we're familiar with, like that are already on the staff or or used to be on the staff, or have pro connections, or have won Super Bowls, or or are thought of, you know, as uh, rising stars in the coaching community, and then you can see it and you say, that's a great hire. That's what we do. But you also know that you have to allow more to make his picks, see the staff, and even if you don't like it, that doesn't mean you don't like Michigan. You just might not like that staff, but you're going to give them a chance. But we're just, this is what we're going to do here in the offseason with a staff. And it might not move as fast as, as people like. You know, I get that. And so for a lot of people, you just go back to what a, there's been a default here for. It's really been forever. But, you know, right now the default is this is all the athletic director is doing. Let's get rid of them. So. And there might be some truth to that. 
not that I think that, but there could be not, you know, like completely saying you guys are all nuts and, you know, awards the, the, the greatest athletic director ever. In fact, I don't think that, but uh, I, I'm also, I'm not with everyone with the, the pitchforks and the torches ready to go down there and, you know, run him out. I just wouldn't get in, in that line. Let's take some feedback before we get to the Big Ten and SEC meetings and the committee. Richard likes the fact that they're getting ahead of the idea to pay everyone and move forward. All right, let's go to Andres, who is completely disagreeing. He says, if he's qualified, knows how to coach the scheme, and most importantly, recruit, sign me up. It's about winning and keeping this train rolling. I'm assuming that you're talking about Cullen. And I would say to you, Andres, that the majority of Michigan fans agree with you. And I would say just looking at the Mason Blue Review and folks that are commenting on Cullen to Michigan and the possibility, I would say that 90% agree with you. So you, you have the majority that are right there with you. Let's see what Michael has to say. Better be getting some recruiting moving and moving because we are falling way behind. I think that is a, a fair uh, question and statement. You know, you got to get the recruiting rolling. Uh, I think you could say that anytime, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's true right now. And yeah, Sharon Moore is out on the road. And he is recruiting. So that's where it's at. Uh, I know it's fun, you know, bringing some names up. And and I have, heading into this, if you would have said, do you think you'll disagree with any of the, the candidates or I don't know, would-be coaches that Sharon Moore would select? I'd say probably not. Like I'd give the guy, this is something he's been waiting for all of his life. He, we can all come up with our own list, but even Sharon Moore, I go back to his introductory news conference a week uh, earlier from this Saturday when he was talking about interviewing with Jim Harbaugh and they both, and, and Moore made it sound like he knew right away. You know, it went from within minutes of, yeah, this is Sharon Moore. Yeah. You know, I, it'd be great to coach here too. They were setting up the furniture in the office and, and talking about how to attack on the offensive line. I mean, that's, that's Jim Harbaugh. You know, let's say, like, Oh, Jim Harbaugh. I'm sure really liked that. Is Sharon Moore really like that. I haven't been in, I've been in some interviews, but when you hear this from a lot of people that are in the position of uh, interviewing, like they get that connection and they know pretty quickly whether or not they like somebody. And that's a big part of it. So we can all come up with the names. We can all have the resumes and everything else until these guys are sitting down and talking and we are not privileged to those. Uh, I get that part. You know, it's not, it's not much fun to say every single person like, well, let's just wait and see. So we're going to have our opinions on it. I don't know if that's making sense to you or not, but like I said, I wouldn't have predicted that I'd have had any issue, but this particular one, I think Cullen's a fit for the pros, not college, even if he does know the scheme inside and out and you know that he's, you know, 
closer to 60 or whatever as a recruiter. None of that stuff bothers me. You can go out there bothers me isn't the right word. I think that there's, I think there's better candidates out there, how I see it. And that's my opinion. And it really seems to be a minority opinion as most Michigan fans are excited to get on with this, but that piece about college football fans, you know, there's, there's probably not guys that are as good as uh, the renowned Michigan troll, Scott uh, Bell who's like, you know, he's made his career on like jamming up and, you know, the rivalry stuff, you know, he calls it, I don't know if he calls it dark comedy or whatever he calls it, you know, just busting the chops of, of Michigan's rivals. Not only will that take place for Michigan, if they hire Cullen, the, the very currency of anyone online, when it comes down to rivalry stuff. I mean, this will follow Michigan. This is not just eh, somebody take a little shot. This will be front page, back page all the time. Uh, you know, constant uh, replaying of, of Cullen's situation. You might say, who cares? You know, we just want the best coach. I, I understand all of that. I think when you're talking about building a culture, and having a culture, that part, you know, it's maybe it's a good argument. You can say, well, how long before you get a third chance? You know, it's been, you know, whatever, over 15 years. That seems like a long time. I mean, that's a, a good point. And like I said, if the guy is hired, then I'm not going to sit here every day saying it was a bad choice. I'm just giving you my opinion out of the gate. You have it. Okay. Couple more on the feedback. And then we'll uh we'll get to the 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 committee and basketball. Frank says Ohio fans remind me of us when D'Antonio was busting our ass. Yeah. Ohio State reminds me of a jilted lover that has gone out and, you know, rented a, a fancy car and nice clothes to try to impress a girl because they have just, they, they, they just can't stand it the last three years. And I, you know, for me, I get it. You know, the previous 16 years and yeah, Michigan state was involved in that. It was uh, it was a hard 16 years with Michigan state and Ohio state, it, it sucked. I mean, it was so bad. I mean, Michigan fans were really down bad. You know, I'm one, if you win and you want to you know, talk, go ahead, you know, you won. And so when I saw all the trash talk for the 16 years prior to 2021 by Michigan fans, you know, that wasn't me. It's kind of like, mm. but then there've been these last three years. It's tough. I mean, it really took. And then you consider that Ohio State fans have nothing except Ohio State. They don't care about anything except Ohio State football. That's their that's their top ten things. So yeah, I mean, they're down really bad. I get that. Why do the Buckeyes keep getting them, and we can't because we just won the Natty? We should be pushing 
kids away. I do think that the Harbaugh situation at the end of the year, that's not ideal. Uh, I'm not saying that he didn't deserve to go out there and play it out like he did, but that had Michigan in limbo. That's going to hurt you on the recruiting front. It's going to stall any momentum if there is such a thing. And and now you have to uh, recalibrate all of that. So Harbaugh leaving hurts. There's really no way of getting around that. The process in which he left, that really hurts. And then you have to get to the other things, which we'll probably talk about a little bit here in a minute. Name, image, and likeness, which worked so well for Michigan last year and was an important piece for them winning the national championship. There was always going to be, well, what happens after 2023? Now, Michigan won the national championship. I think that had part was part of the, if we want to call it a problem, of players that could have stayed for one more run, but elected to leave. Their head coach was leaving. They just won the natty instead of being compensated with name, image, and likeness, because that was Michigan's plan. Instead of getting them at the, the front and promising them money, they were going to get them at the end. And it worked last year, and it did not work as much this year. So uh, they have to have a, a new transparency with name, image, and likeness. And it might be just being able to promise players money. Now, people are like, we don't want to be able to. I'm not telling you to go all, you know, uh, uh, NILU or, you know, Michigan's going to be the next Texas A&M in Miami. We've been down this road a million times. But there's a lot of attorney generals and there's lawsuits that are going at the NCAA that says, no, these players should be able to entertain offers. They should be able to get promises for money. That's the American way. That's antitrust. Not that I needed to yell it, but there it is. So, you know, I'd hate to say that the the teams that are disregarding the rules are onto something, but even before NIL, teams were paying money and most of the fans were like, who cares? I'll pay. We just want to win. When there were some were like, well, those are the rules. And now they've even become even closer where you can actually promise people the money. And, you know, and, and you've got people in high places saying this is exactly what should be able to take place. Tampering. Michigan players right now should be able to go to the highest bidder if they, if they choose. So it's a mess that gets us to the committee, Michael. And you now this committee that is meeting with the SEC and Big Ten. They've got a lot to get to. One of the things, and, and I got to say that I wasn't aware of this heading into the, the into the week as I read a little bit about what they were talking about. I thought it would be about promising money to NIL, how to uh, keep their uh, bank accounts flush. You're talking about the Big Ten and SEC. Well, you know, if they collect all the money and, and, you know, forget everybody else, leave them the scraps. That's what I thought this was going to be about. But they say that, that there's not a system in place for a 12-team playoff after next year. So you've got this one year, but they haven't figured out moving forward how it's going to work. So they haven't even got to that. The Pac-2 now, not the Pac-12. They still have a vote in there, all this other stuff, trying to split up, you know, the billions of dollars and how they're going to be able to do it. And 
you know, the Big Ten hired this uh, um, TV geek and Tony Batiti, who has stubbed his toe out of the gate with how he dealt with Michigan. And he's in there. And, and Greg Sankey, they've, they've got a lot to work on. And they got a lot of conversations uh, to be had. But, yeah, getting that worked out and then figuring out the payment for the players, those are two huge pieces. And maybe it is getting rid of the NCAA altogether and forming this and figuring out their own game plan. I'm sure that is being talked about. So those meetings are a big deal, the committee that was uh, put together. So that's it. Let's um, take some more feedback here. Brian asked why Michigan's name, image, and likeness is so much worse than Ohio State. I think that it is a a culture, Brian. And I think that for many years in Southern Ohio, you know, and people that were going to Ohio State, they understood. You're going to Ohio State. You're a superstar. You deserved anything that anybody wanted to give you. Somebody wanted to give you an envelope. Somebody wanted to give you a suit. This is in high school. Somebody wanted to give you a car. They wanted to give your grandparents money. They wanted to give your twice-removed uncle a briefcase uh, of cash. Your AAU coach, your pastor needed a new church. People understood. Yeah, we want you to come to Ohio State. We'll gladly have people in positions that will do this. And then when NIL came along, Ohio State kind of, you know, it was already there. They understand, hey, we got to pay these kids. We got to pay them money. This is what it's all about. The highest bidder, the most money wins. This is how it works. And, And Michigan has not been like that. Michigan fans have not been like that. Uh, Michigan has, uh, and for good reason, the the Fab Five really burned them back in the day. People were really embarrassed about Chris Weber, you know, getting money. And uh, another, you know, Lewis Bullock, Ed Martin, all of it. People were upset about it. And then the coaches had to walk the straight and narrow. And you'll recall Jim Harbaugh over the last nine years, you, you know, Jim Harbaugh, would have rather have put on scarlet and gray than even considered, you know, giving any money to any, Oh my God, no, we'll never do this. And you know, that's been Michigan's approach. And you say, Oh, that's all right. Because it's illegal. Well, I, I know that, but now, you know, Michigan still, you know, it's like, yeah, we're, we're not getting involved in the promising of money. Other teams are it's as simple as that. I also think it's as simple as, you know, the, there's just not good transparency with it. I know I sound like a blowhard and the people that are involved work really hard on the NIL fronts. There's how many of our collectives they are. You say, you don't know a damn thing. And I'm sympathetic to their approach, but I would just tell them that your average Michigan fan, they don't know. I mean, are you just, is it like, um, is it like dropping a coin in the bucket? to the uh, Salvation Army, you know, when you're going into the grocery store on Christmas, say, hey, you know, Merry Christmas. Is it like just throwing money to a a campaign? You don't really know what they're going to do with the money, but, you know, you feel good because that's your side. And maybe that's, you know, like where it's at right now. You just feel good. Just donate. But I think a lot of people, because Michigan's approach, they don't know where the money's going. Is the money going just to football? Is it going to, like, is this going to, 
the half of it going to women's sports. Is this, um, do we, are you giving money to the men's soccer team? I like, I don't know. If I gave $100, is the guy that's running the collective going to be like, here's 10 for me. And then he's going to be like, okay, it's sitting here and we're going to give it to a third year backup defense. I don't know how it works. There's just not good transparency and we don't understand. I don't how it works. Now, I think Ohio State fans know. Like they were dropping that money in and Ohio State was going out and they were like Christian James Judkins, the, the you know, the great running back from Old Miss. I think they were like, go give him whatever he wants. Quarterback, give those guys whatever they want. Now, look, the year before, Michigan did really well in the transfer portal. Were they not giving, you know, players money? They were just coming in because they wanted to be part of a championship team? Maybe. It's my guess. Because Ohio State, they feel like they've been dirty for their, you know, entire existence. So them going out and, you know, promising money, which people don't even care about, and running this collective, it seems like they're not doing it on the up and up. But that's my perception. And yet last year, I thought probably Michigan was. That could be a very much homer position, Brian, and I could be missing it all when it comes down to NIL. Or I could default back and say it's because the AD doesn't know what he's doing. OT is saying Michigan's stance on NIL is an embarrassment. Here's uh, the, the photo man, Eric Upchurch. Take some great photos. And he's the, he's the man in the black hat. People were crystal balling Julian Sain to OSU before he was in the portal. That's the definition of tampering. Yeah, no, you're right about that. You could sit here every day. I, I you know, the, the, the Eric, the three Big Ten members that are coming in now, you know, we're, they're all, they're USC and UCLA. They're Big Ten members now. So is Oregon. USC, when Jordan Anderson, who's now with the Vikings, he was their first round pick, when he was at Pitt two weeks before the portal was even open, everybody was like, he's gone. He's gone to USC. Everybody knows he's going to USC. USC's paying him. USC's going to get him out there. And then there, lo and behold, he went to USC. And then there were some stories like he was upset because he wasn't cashing in. And then, but he's, you know, like, Maybe the NCAA, because they're working two years in the past. They were, they're going after the Rashada contract, the Tennessee guy that got $8 million, and the Vols were bragging about it. FSU two years ago when they were driving the guy, uh, uh, the kid, to you know, get the money for the NIL. So you know maybe somewhere along the way, USC will get nabbed in that for Addison and the Dante Moore recruitment between UCLA and Oregon. I mean, like we all weren't born yesterday. I know that Michigan thought that they had to at least beat um, a million and a half promise to Dante Moore. So who the hell knows how much he got from Oregon, then UCLA and now Oregon again. So if there's enough teams doing it, Doug is talking about OSU has recruited or bought numerous outside players like they have recently. That's fine with Doug. 
People were worried the last few years about our recruiting. It seems to have worked out. Uh, NIL really helped. And I would say you're right. Uh, Frank is saying that our players are going to tamper with right now. Yeah, well, Frank, look at how recruiting works. As soon as how anything happens, certainly a a coaching position change. You you could have your position coach uh, change, and people are like, "Oh, is this guy leaving?" Your your coordinator. Oh, remember when Reese left for Notre Dame? It was automatically like, "Oh, okay, let's start calling everybody on the offensive side that was committed because maybe they're having second thoughts." When your head coach leaves, and then you have a thirty day window open, yeah. People are going to be tampering left and right. So that is, it's a big deal. It is a gigantic deal. Kent is talking about the promising money poisons the culture. U of M needs to distribute the money once they arrive. Then they can show what top U of M players made in previous years. Important to retain players. Contrast this with reneged promises. Yeah. The only thing that I would say again, and I think you're right. I think that is Michigan's stance. And I think the majority of Michigan fans are like, that's right, Kent. You are right about promising money poisons culture. That doesn't in the pros. I mean, that's how it works in the pros. And seemingly every other team is doing it. And then you have the case of the Virginia attorney general and the Tennessee attorney general saying this is what schools should do because of antitrust. That's the American way being able to promise kids money. And so you might have to be able to get over the money poisoning the culture angle. And I don't know, like, so you could promise that if somebody tampers with one of your players, you can promise, okay, we can give you more money. That makes sense to me. Michigan had a gigantic hit, as we already said, in the transfer portal last year. And maybe they were just sitting back and saying, look, man, you can come in here and you can play for a contender. We're going to the college football playoff. Winning does help. And maybe that's what all those dudes did. I just, I don't, I don't know how they're connecting it. But I, I, it feels like what Kent says, promising money poisons the culture, is that's been Michigan's stance. I wonder in basketball, which we're going to get to in a moment, you know, Olivier Kamwa was interested in a couple different teams, and he looked like he was as good as gone. And then it, something happened where then Michigan just suddenly got back into the picture with him. Did he just wake up and saw amazing blue spots? Somebody get on the phone and say, we got a uh, six-figure. I don't know what they did. It felt like that's what happened. You know, somebody is watching this saying you don't know what you're talking about. I'm telling you that's how it looked. GMA is talking about complaining about paying players and tampering if it gets us passed up. Though, then what? At some point, Michigan has to find a happy place and adapt. Yeah, hopefully, GMA, that's what these meetings are going to do. They're going to put the onus on the university to pay that NIL money, and then Michigan can 
it just they can charge bigger price or they can jack up their ticket prices. Nobody wants to hear that or, or parking prices and, and pass it on to the players that way. You don't need the NIL then. Woo. Is JH completely out of the loop now, Dennis? I would say absolutely. He is out of the loop. He is, he is on to the chargers. He is thinking about his staff and he's thinking about Jim Harbaugh. He's not thinking about Michigan. I is would he be a sounding board for Sharon or somebody else that had a question? Yeah, probably. I mean, he's he sent a text to him, so but you know, he's thinking about Jim Harbaugh and the pros right now. He's not thinking about Michigan. That's it. Ferris is asking if um, OSU's new OC just left to become the new BC coach. Uh, I haven't seen if that's been official or not, uh, but that has been talked about. Eric says, on a side note, he likes watching the show and hearing the voice again. He used to listen to me on the radio. He can't read the post without hearing them in your voice. Well, thanks, Eric. I appreciate that. Doug says, since Jim Harbaugh left, one person has left. Let's enjoy our national championship. I'm enjoying that national championship, Doug. And I like what people say, enjoy the national championship, because I take a step back and I enjoy the national championship when somebody says enjoy it. I have been enjoying it. You know, I saw, uh, sorry. I saw on Twitter a Washington fan who said, is it just me or is nobody care about Michigan winning the national championship? And, uh, that's a interesting little tweet. And he was getting a lot of feedback and there were Michigan fans like, well, what's your problem? You know, all this kind of stuff, sending pictures of them of Michigan winning. And of course, Michigan beat Washington, you know that. So you said this, and look, it's, I would say, yeah. I mean, it's February the 5th. And you're out there, you know, tweeting about Michigan football and about them winning. There should be, for this Washington fan, there should be more reverence given to finishing in second place. I think about Detroit sports recently especially the Tigers that, you know, they had those two runs 2006 and then 12 and 13, they went back and they went to the world series twice and they got swept by the giants. They were runners up. Those were the, the, along the way, you think about going to the ballpark all the time and, but they did not win it. And the Tigers are looked at as they're not looked at those years are not looked at fondly. They were right there. The Pistons and Red Wings, they both had their situations where they were winning them the last time where they could have won another one, but they had one, which is always nice. Anything about this year's Lions team? 
oh, so close. Maybe you don't want to. I don't really want to right now either. It still makes me a little angry about the second half. Encouraged for the future, but still angry about the second half against the 49ers. Hoping that in two, five, ten years, we're not going to look back and say, oh, 2023. Remember, they were kicking San Francisco's ass. They were that close to the Super Bowl, but then. Why did it get sidelined this way? Oh, Washington. It's so tough going all that way. How about the Michigan basketball team? You know, those were some fabulous years. Going to the championship game against uh, Villanova. Oh, the, the championship game against Louisville. That one's still really tough to take. They played such a, it seemed like a great game. Spike Albrecht in the first half. It was so awesome. But it's not the same. And so when you cash in and you do get the championship, like this championship has got you covered for so long. Forever, this championship has you covered. That's what you got. So, yeah, we do all this. Like, I'm doing all this other stuff. Uh, oh, the, the staff and tampering and everything else. But yeah, the championship. Michigan won the championship. I might be someone that would go to the games next year. And I might just stand out in the midst of the crowd and be like, have some fun today. But just remember, you won the ch- I don't know. What, what would you do? You're just still celebrating. Celebrate it. You won it. Woo. Andres on the feedback says he has learned something. Get your Michigan gear for your kids and spouse and significant other. It's easier to admire when it's on someone else. That's an interesting, I'm going to consider it because you're just, you're throwing something at me right away. I get your point. I would go back in my own life and I just think about it. And then I think about this year. My wife the Penn State week came home with two shirts. Now I'm going to take that back because one of them said 1,000, and that was the Maryland game. And so that was after Penn State. So it had to be the week of heading into Ohio State. She bought me a shirt that said 1,000 on it and a shirt that said bet. And when I got them, I said, you know, I love thank you and everything. But I wasn't thinking about Michigan winning the national championship and me having these national. But I, I really like those shirts. Well, what's my point here? Oh, she hit me a couple other. Unknowingly, heading into Christmas, Blake Corum had this flannel. It's not totally maize and blue, but it looks a little maize and blue. It's got a little orange. It's a hoodie, flannel and hoodie. And I almost said, that'd be something that I would want for Christmas. But I held back because I've got a million flannels. And then right around the championship, my wife brought home, she said, 
I was cold at the store and I bought this flannel. She said, I really bought it for you, but it, I used it once. And it's in the back seat. And I went back there and it was the Blake Corum flannel. I've got all kinds, and, but I hear what you're saying. Let's go, Andres. Just gave my friend a Michigan championship divot too. What's a what's a Michigan championship divot? If you were playing in an outdoor stadium, did you dig up the field turf? I have to admit that Josh Henschke, the publisher of the Maze and Blue Review, who went to Houston for the game and afterwards. Like a lot of people are taking pictures out on the field and he, he stuffed a bunch of the confetti into his backpack and then he was offering it up like, Hey, anybody want any of this confetti? Let me know. And I thought, mm, is that really a cool thing? That's what I thought when I first saw it, I'm like really nice gesture, but it's a really cool thing. But then I saw the picture of the confetti that he was sending out to how many ever people and the pieces of confetti were pretty cool. Like it said 2024 on there and it said Michigan. And whenever I see the the confetti flying now, I'm looking, I wouldn't have minded a little jar of confetti myself. Bring everyone together. JSE, Columbus is a dump. The only reason to go there is for money. I think that's true. So we've been through the the meeting for the big 10 and sec they're thinking about the 12 team playoff beyond this next year and they got to have a lot of different conversations i like the 12 team playoff i like that the first round was going to be at home campuses where at some point you're going to get someone like michigan Hosting, uh, you know, Florida State or something or USC in in uh, a in a December game. That's going to be great. I was surprised that SEC teams allowed that, but then they did. So maybe they're putting up something. Uh, there's so much money, and the big brokers are sitting there thinking about how to keep it all. And you know, that's the first thing they have to do, and they have to figure out how to then distribute this money to the players. They better they better include them because they hadn't in the past and they still really are not. And they're saying, Oh yeah. N I L. Can you take football and separate it from the rest of college sports? Maybe you could take basketball and football. Those are the revenue sports and, and then go title nine with everything else and then leave basketball and football. Is that going to work? Is that going to fly? Total I'd be like, no, that's not going to fly. But I, maybe they can try to do that. See how that works. Ferris says Harbaugh mentioned the other day he thinks JJ will be the first quarterback drafted. Just Harbaugh being Harbaugh, or is there some truth to that? I think there's two sides to that. Remember during the season that Harbaugh said JJ's the best. And somebody asked him, like, what do you think he's the best quarterback? He said, oh, yeah, he's the best quarterback in college football. And then he was coming home from whatever game. And he said, I got to I gotta mention that this Caleb Williams, mm, he's pretty good, too. I'm going to put him up there with J.J. 
And so he, and so he thinks that, you know, JJ, he thought JJ and Caleb Williams were the, the two top quarterbacks in college football. You know, it was, it, it was interesting. Some people thought he was being like flippant, you know, of course he's talking about his guy, but he wasn't like I would draft. He just made a prediction. So other teams couldn't use it against him or any of those other quarterbacks. Maybe they could anyways, like use it against him. I myself, and I have been accused of of being a homer in this situation, which I don't have any problem with, but it, it is how I feel. I think that J.J. McCarthy has as good of a chance of being a great quarterback that of Caleb Williams, Drake May, or Jaden Daniels. I believe that. After watching him play for three years and then looking at these other guys, I understand Caleb Williams. He, he's got a dynamite skill set. I mean, he can run. He looks a lot like Patrick Mahomes. He can throw it all over the place. Some other things in there. But J.J. looks like a lot of that, too. And then Drake May, I'll have to watch a little bit more of him, but I've been like the scouts, you know, he looks a lot like Justin Herbert when he throws the ball, big frame, he can move around. And so they like him. He is great. You hear some of them saying, ah, take him number one. That guy hasn't won anything. I'm a little bit down on him heading into this. I like JJ more than I like Drake May. And everybody's like, it's a two quarterback draft, and then everybody else. Now they put Daniels in there because this guy can run it and throw it like nobody's business. Then it's a three. And and all of the experts, and they listen to, you know, they, they talk to their GMs. I just have to go back. I stay with how I feel about it. I appreciate the guys that do the mock drafts and they talk to the GMs and I know scouts and I know the job that they have to do. And that, that's their real job. But where I stop is when people tell me, you don't know what you're talking about. The scouts say, and I just reference back to one another quarterback from North Carolina. And I watched him and they were all saying, Mitch Trubisky is the future. This guy can run it and throw it. And I'd say, I, you know what I said? I like Deshaun Watson more than I like Mitch Trubisky. And I heard it. That's the problem with the media. That's the problem with fans. They don't understand. Yeah, sometimes those scouts get a little bit too scouty with themselves. And then they all just sit around in a big circle comparing notes, doing other things. And they don't allow for anything else happening in there. I'll say it again. I think J.J. can be as as good as any of those quarterbacks Do I think, would I take him if I was sitting there over Caleb Williams? Probably not. As I sit here right now, I think it would be Caleb Williams. But I, I would strongly consider taking JJ number two. And I'll say it one last time. I think he can be as any, as good as any of these quarterbacks in this draft. I think he'll be a first rounder and there it is. The draft is in Detroit this year. Should be a good show. I'm hoping for good weather for that. I enjoy the draft. And we've got, before we get to basketball, GMA Golf 23. 
who says JJ can do everything you want a quarterback to do. He just wasn't asked to do those things because Michigan had so many weapons. I love Roman and CJ too, but they aren't first round picks. No, no, those guys aren't first round picks. The thing with JJ is, is that where a lot of people saw him play, uh, Michigan didn't really have a game that was interesting to other people until Penn State, damn near the middle of November. And they watched that game and maybe they didn't watch the Michigan ran the ball 23 straight times. <laughs> Wait a second. 32 straight times. No passes. The one, but it was a 15. So people saw that and were like, this guy's a first-round pick. They wouldn't even let him throw the ball. So that worked against J.J. And then it was like the Ohio State game. Now, the Ohio State game, J.J. was pretty good. He threw that pass to Roman Wilson as one of the best passes of his career. The one that they thought Ohio State fans could have been an interception. Pretty close and all that, but it was, you know, it was the right call. JJ was good in that game, but JJ in the Rose Bowl actually was not all that good, and everybody was watching him in that game. Now, I say he wasn't all that good. He threw the first pass, it could have been picked. He really wasn't all that until the final drive. He made the money throw to Corum on his own 38. He ran the ball for 17 yards, showed his wheels, threw the ball to Roman Wilson. Threw the ball to Roman Wilson again, touchdown. Delivering like a Tom Brady, Joe Montana-like. In the moment, season on the line, national championship game bid on the line, Nick Saban retired, and he did it with that one drive. Now, was that impressive to scouts? You know, sometimes scouts would say, you know, I've, you, you hear them. I, when I worked for the for the Pistons, I did a, a backup for a lot of the games, and I would talk with uh, assistant GMs and all, you know, asking them a lot of different questions, and it would be around the the uh, Scott Perry. He's still a, a GM or assistant GM in the NBA. I remember asking. Scott Perry would be after an NCAA tournament game. I'm like, this guy, are you mad? This is somebody, he's like, we don't get too hyped up over how somebody does in a tournament game. It's the, you know, the breadth and width of everything that they're doing. Not just a tournament game. I'd say, yeah, but the lights are the brightest. I mean, these are the biggest, these should matter a little bit more. He's like, it matters, but I don't think as much as the fans and you are are, are thinking it, it should matter. I was like, hmm. I didn't like that response by Scott Perry. Doing things with everything on the line is like a pretty big deal to me. So JJ did that. And then was JJ great in the national championship game? No, not really. So the the long answer to that again is that it, it was Corum with 134 yards, and it was the Donovan Edwards with his uh his great touchdown runs in the first quarter. What people remember about the national championship game, not so much JJ. So that's it. That's where I'm at. Okay. To basketball. Michigan has lost 10 out of 11, including 
this game over the weekend to Rutgers, where Michigan was again up at the half, this time by nine. They got their lead up to 15, and then they disappeared. There was a 14-0 run by Rutgers. They ended the game on a, was it a 17-2, 18-2 run and beat Michigan. After the game, Juwan Howard said he thought about playing his walk-ons in the second half, so he threw his team under the bus. Also, afterwards, he talked on the MGO Blue podcast and was asked about the second half collapses, and he said it's the same old song. Same damn song. <laughs> it's that simple. Same damn song. <laughs> you just said it. Second half woes. Second half woes for Michigan, and Terry Mills, the former sharpshooter on the national championship team, Mr. Basketball at Romulus, won an NBA title with the Pistons. Here was Terry Mills searching a little bit more with Jawan Howard on that same pod. All right. Nine in offensive rebounds in the second half. Yeah, Coach. Would you, 40 points in the paint. Yeah, yeah, would, you, would you call that effort department? Effort, focus, okay. lack of and, uh, toughness. Right. There you go. All of that. So it's not a it's not a good situation. I'm asked a lot. Do I think Ward Manuel will make a change after the year? And for most of the season, I said probably not. He seems to be a patient guy. It was his handpicked choice, and I think he knows the the issues with basketball. Coaching is one piece of it. The other piece is what we've been talking about today: name, image, and likeness. Are people donating? Does this basketball have this gigantic collective where five stars are going to be like, hmm, I want to get in on some of that? I don't know. Does the Fab Five have a collective? Are they? I don't know about any of that. They, the NIL collective for basketball is more nebulous than the one for football, which isn't a good thing. The other part is admissions. And whether it's uh, Shannon, who went to Illinois, or Caleb Love, who's now starring for... Arizona. Can Ward or Santa Ono, are they willing to bend or tweak admissions for sports? I think they should. There's a lot of Michigan alums are like, no, we want to keep our academics in, in strong standing. However, I don't know how much it would change the perception or or the U.S. World News report about where Michigan ranks. Maybe it would. Maybe it would drop them out of the top five or top ten if they said, yep, come on, we're ready to, just for sports? Just for football, basketball? I don't know if they can do that. Maybe all athletics? Tweak it! I would like to see them do that. And then I'd like to see them, again, have some kind of transparent, NIL, where you know if you're putting $100 into the collective, it might be to dangle it out there for the best players that could possibly come in. A five-star collective, if you will. But that's it. But my point is that whoever, if there's going to be a new coach, that new coach is going to need those two things in spades. He's going to be like, how am I going to be able to get players with uh, this NIL? And right now, what's the answer? Who was it before? 
NIL promising poisons the roster. And that's it. It was Kent. Here it is. Promising money poisons the culture. So any new coach is going to want to say, well, he might not think the same way as Kent does when it comes to NIL. They're one and done. So you're going to have to deal with that. And plus you're going to have to deal with admissions. If Santa Ono or the regents are like, we're just not bending with that. We want to keep our academics where they are. And we're not going to admit these players without the, you know, the loss of credits or whatever else. We're just not doing that. Well, there's two strikes already against you. And so Ward might look at that and say, Juwan's doing it without those two things. Yeah, they're not having a very good year, but we're going to give him another year. I, he might. Whenever he gets those two things fixed, he might think that maybe Juwan deserves another chance where you know he can go out and spend and, and get players to transfer in. It's part of the equation that I don't talk about very much and you don't talk about very much. Just talk about this team sucks. And that's, uh, it's understandable because right now they do. Okay. I'll take some new comments that are coming in here. Whose responsibility is it to install toughness and focus? That's going to be on the head coach, Richard. Defense is about wanting to. If you don't motivate them, they don't want to. There it is. Yeah, I'm not making I – don't, I don't have, like, much like Michigan doesn't have much defense when they play, I don't have much defense of Michigan basketball right now. So I was just putting it out there. That's it. I want to pay tribute to a special man at the end of this podcast, and that is Earl Curitan, who went to U of D when Dick Vitale was down at U of D. Earl Curitan played in a bunch of different stops in the pros, won a couple NBA championships, but he came back and he is an ambassador, was an ambassador for the Detroit Pistons and the city of Detroit. There were a couple times where I worked for the Pistons tonight and did shows out on the road in and around Detroit with Earl Curitan. Earl Curitan passed away this weekend. This is one of these guys that I can promise you was as genuine as a person that you will meet he had a great smile and a firm handshake, and you felt like you were his friend the first time you ever met him, and then every time after that, he had the same warm welcoming. I, this is just a um, stellar human being. He will be missed. Rest in peace, Earl Curitan, or known by his nickname, Twirl. Godspeed to Earl Curitan. Thanks for watching. We'll talk with you on Wednesday. You're on Good Afternoon Michigan Football. So long, everybody.